Hello, the first Three Knocks listeners. This is Scott Hamill, proud guest of the show. I want to take a quick second and tell you about a new podcast that I've got out called The Stuntman's Guide to Staying Calm. It's less of a podcast, really, more a series of recordings designed to help you sleep better, wake up feeling empowered and refreshed, increase your focus, improve your memory recall skills, and generally live a more enjoyable, more present life. I know a lot of people are feeling very stressed out these days, and if you feel like this might be of help, I urge you to give it a listen. Again, it's called A Stuntman's Guide to Staying Calm, and you can find it wherever you find good quality podcasts. I really hope you enjoy it. On today's episode, we're sitting down with Mr. Scott Hamill, initiate at the Barton Lodge. You're listening to The First Three Knocks, a Masonic podcast in the District of York, where we discuss topics for the betterment of masonry. The opinions discussed in this podcast are those of the individual and do not represent the views of Grand Lodge or any other Masonic body. Now, here are your hosts. Well, good afternoon, brethren, and good afternoon, initiate. This is uh, very excited. My my name is uh, Worshipful Brother Bert Tellier. I'm the past master of the Rising Sun Lodge in Aurora, Ontario. Sitting down with... Uh, I'm your co-host, uh, <laughs> Brother Gino Scovio, Junior Warden of the Rising Sun Lodge, the also J-Dub. in Aurora. And Brother Steve Sprott of Zeradatha Lodge in beautiful, historic Uxbridge, Ontario. Oh, you keep stealing that again. one. There you know, we have to one-up you here. We have to one-up you here. If you're a pioneer and trailblazer, you're not uh, stealing it. Okay, you talented producer. You may win that one. We are uh, coming to you from the Scottish Rite Club in Hamilton, Ontario. This is actually beautiful and historic as a building. We've been through the uh, building, had a, an incredible tour. And we're sitting down with a really in- interesting individual this afternoon. Um, one, he is initiate for the first degree in Freemasonry tonight, Mr. Scott Hamill. And also, he has uh, been described as a 21st century Houdini. He's an <laughs> entertainer, a speaker, a Guinness World Record holder. Is that correct as well? Yeah, yeah. Wow, in- incredible. So what a, what a very exciting night for you. And welcome to the first three knocks and welcome to your new home. Thank you. Yeah, I'm super excited. I don't know fully what to expect yet, but uh, yeah, I'm very excited. I have some good friends who are Masons and family who are Masons. And so, yeah, I'm very excited to to explore this. So this is kind of interesting how you got involved. Our producer, Steve Sprott, and you were in contact, and I believe he helped you um, get in contact with the district here in Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. Steve... Uh, sent me a message just asking if I'd be interested in doing a speech slash performance at uh, a meeting because a lot of what I speak about from what I understand is covered in in meetings in one way or another and so he asked if I'd be interested in that and of course just my natural fascination with with Freemasonry I've done a lot of reading on it over the years and the family connections led me to just asking him some questions and one thing led to another it just kind of evolved we ended up having what would you say like weekly phone conversations about this oh yeah there were discussions at uh, a great extent i think probably you know hour to two hour phone calls you know right off the bat he was so interested in everything and wanted to know everything about it and um 
you know, so we, we had a bunch of phone calls and at the end he, you know, still seemed interested. So <laughs> he didn't blow it, huh? No more <laughs> now more than ever. <laughs> I did an all right job. at Yeah. Waiting for that question to come. Right. Cause that's, that's the whole thing. You just don't know how to ask. Right. For sure. Yeah. And boom. There it is. Oh, it only took uh, five weeks and uh, <laughs> hours of phone calls every you know, day. The great thing about it was that I had just experienced my initiation. I had just experienced my second degree. Um, so I was brand new into it and to give that perspective to a candidate or a potential candidate um, from that perspective, not a master Mason's perspective or, a, or fresh. you know, it's fresh. And, yeah. and, you know, you talk to a lot of Masons about Masonry and they're, they're talking from a perspective that is, you know, 25 years old. Yeah. And uh, they don't remember exactly what it's like to be an, uh, you know, a candidate or and, and go through those things. So I think. I was able to speak a little bit uh, better towards Scott in that regard as well and, and kind of give that perspective from my current perspective. Well, yeah. it's worked out wonderfully. I mean, we, we've been around the building here. We've met some of the brethren from this lodge that you're joining. And uh, we were just talking about it. What a what a treat yeah. for you, man. You're you in a lucky for guy. a, yeah. a special night and uh, hopefully a wonderful Masonic career. Now, you're a really interesting individual. We don't uh, normally get to to interview folks like yourself. Tell us a little bit about your, your work that you do. Yeah, I mean, I it's not that I take it for granted. I wake up every day with a smile on my face because I'm so lucky to be doing what I do. But uh, I forget that it's it's a fairly you know, unusual job, career path. So I think it kind of boils down to to the fact that I'm a magician and a lot of the the big stunts that I've done have been focused around magic in one way or another. And the speeches that I offer, uh, the speaking tours are often based on the experiences from those world record stunts. And sometimes they're not even world records, they're just big stunt experiences that I think have a lot of pulls to leadership or communication or risk mm. assessment or, you know, a number of things. The new speech that I'm working on right now is called The Stuntman's Guide to Staying Calm. So it's about, you know, how I've developed a career out of putting myself into stressful situations and what I've learned along the way to kind of you know, keep myself calm and and follow through on these things when I've got, you know, a loaded rifle pointed at my chest or I'm <laughs> in the doorway of an airplane blindfolded and handcuffed to my waist. Like these are things that are incredibly stressful, even when you're trained. I'm not going to say that it's not, but, you know, I'm able to kind of draw these experiences, try to boil them down and put them in a way that even though the audience is not necessarily going to be doing these outrageous stunts there are some takeaways for them with real estate or you know running a hospital or whatever it may be so yeah maybe share some if you don't mind share some of those those key takeaways i mean you have an interesting message of course yeah i mean uh maybe if you there's a specific one that you're more interested in than another uh like i've got a wide variety of uh, well, I'd say I mean you brought up a great point around pressure and stress you know that's that's a that's an everybody problem sure of course absolutely and and I I also I've been running a kind of side business as a hypnotist for over 15 years so I've taken kind of what I've learned from that as well the problem is that that's a a word that can kind of trigger people in a certain way or another there are negative misconceptions and stuff like that and and some of it i i fully appreciate and understand i think there are a lot of hacks out there there's a lot of really bad people doing really bad stuff on stage with the x-rated hypnosis shows i think that's really irresponsible and very very far from what i do i've stopped doing the kind of big production stage hypnosis shows and 
most of the work that I do is kind of more on a more one-on-one session, but um, getting people to quit smoking or lose weight or again, stress reduction, help with sleep. But uh, the techniques that I've learned from that have gone a long way in terms of keeping me calm and and present. So, you know, for instance, would be absorbing the world through one sense at a time. I, I think that a lot of people, when they're feeling anxious or overwhelmed, it's because they're either dwelling on the past, past mistakes, past decisions that have led to an, you know, unfortunate present moment, or they're so busy focusing on what if scenarios that are probably never going to materialize that they neglect to put themselves into a present moment kind of state of mind, so to speak. So by absorbing the world one state at a time, what do I see? What do I feel? What do I smell? What do I taste? These things kind of force you to to absorb the world in the present tense. And this is the only thing that we have. We can't obviously change the past. We can't know what's about to happen in the future. So that goes a long way. And, you know, this is one of the techniques that I learned to be very effective with hypnosis. Again, trying to get people to experience what they're experiencing now instead of being in their head. Excellent. Very well said. That's great insight. Uh, How long have you been working in this in this field? I I started when I was 12 years old. So it's been, yeah, over 20 years for me now. Uh, Been very lucky. I, I picked up a book at a school book fair and taught myself how to juggle and was at a competition, met another juggler who is also a magician, and he became my mentor. He took me under his wing and not only taught me, you know, how to escape from a straitjacket, for instance, but like how to run a business, how to communicate with clients effectively, how to, you know, promote yourself. And we became, you know, really close friends. And again, I had this mentor apprentice relationship with him. He would be not furious with me, but embarrassed when I call him and refer to him as my mentor because he's a very humble guy. But, oh, yeah. you know, the, he, he was my mentor and still is. So uh, then throughout middle school, I started performing at birthday parties and festival shows. High school, I started getting the opportunity to travel around the country and the Caribbean. And after high school, I was like, this is what I want to do. If yeah, I can make this work, great. Yeah. If I don't succeed at it, I can always go back to school or you know, figure something else out. It seems like fun. It seems like a passion. Totally. And you get, you get to get up and do what you, you know, really enjoy. Absolutely. Whereas I call a lot it getting, of us are grinding it out and, you know, hating it. So for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. I call it getting paid to breathe, doing <clears throat> what I, what awesome. I naturally do. And, well, you know, so. just figuring out a way to get paid for it. And of course that changes over the years. Yep. I've done, you know, body double work. I've done the hypnosis stuff when I started sustaining major injuries because of the stunts. And, you know, it always kind of bobs and weaves, but it's always conducive to my, my passions and what I love doing. So yeah, I'm, I'm very, very lucky. And I know how lucky I am. I, I work very hard at it. Mm-hmm. And of course there are, you know, external things that people think like, oh, that would be great. And they don't see the travel or the the things that can wear on you a little bit more so than other yeah. people. But again, I, I fully appreciate and I love how lucky I am. And, you know, I work very hard, but I'm still very lucky. That's extremely well said. And you sound like a great candidate yeah. for initiation uh, totally. in, in Freemasonry. I got to I got to tell you what. Uh, so what kind of led you here to this this point tonight? This being the day after the 225th anniversary of the Barton Lodge, <laughs> you being the first initiate, I think, in that new year. Uh, what led you to this point? Um, my uncle was a Freemason uh, when he was alive, and my grandpa and my great-grandpa. So I, I didn't ever really... I talked to my uncle about it a little bit, but 
my grandpa died when I was in grade four, I believe in the last few years of his life, he had, he had Alzheimer's. So I wasn't able to connect with him the way I, I feel I would have with a mature state of mind. Um, my uncle, I, I talked to him about it very briefly, uh, just because I remember seeing, I don't remember if it was a ring or something in his car. I remember like we were at the, in the kind of driveway of the cottage. I remember distinctly where I was when I saw it, but asked him about that. And he told me that it was about helping his community. That's the first thing that he said. Awesome. He yeah. said, I'm a Freemason because I like to help my community. And, uh, and then of course, you know, throughout the years I've started noticing my friends with the Masonic rings and mm. started asking them about it. And, you know, then you'll find out years later, it's like, you've been a Mason this whole time. And <laughs> yeah. It's just never That'll really happen, yeah. come up. Never and, came up in conversation. Yeah, for sure. But it sounds like it kind of kept kind of rolling back and coming back to you through either your grandfather or, or your family members or your friends. Again, just seeing those little square encompasses or little sure. things that it would you know, recognize that that's a Mason, right? Yeah, I, I think it, I also... It was calling you is what we're definitely. saying. Yeah. I, I think I also have... I'm. It's not obsessive, but I, I'm very dedicated to proving myself wrong with my misconceptions. So mm. when I started to become a skydiver, I thought that skydivers were, you know, Red Bull drinking party animal, like, <laughs> yeah, kind of guys. And when I started skydiving and spent a significant amount of time at a drop zone, some of the deepest philosophical conversations yeah. I've ever had. They're very relaxed, very kind of checklist oriented style people. There's just a natural misconception about that. And then I start to develop that with, with other aspects of my life. And I think Freemasonry with movies and, you know, conspiracy theories has a lot of that as well. And I think when I started reading about it and started asking about it, I was like, I, I think I'm really wrong about what I think Freemasonry is and what it's about and why I was a little bit intimidated to ask to join. And when I started reading and, and asking Steve more philosophical questions, deeper real questions, instead of just kind of the surface level stuff, I was like, this really seems to suit my lifestyle and my kind of desired out outcome for where I'd like to take my life. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. You know, you you just touched on something interesting related to the history of this in this building. Uh, what we learned today is this building gets used for a lot of movies. And uh, Steve, there's a couple of them that are pretty interesting. One that Gino, you oh, sent man. it to your daughter already was yeah. uh, it. Two. It, chapter two, the staircase. I mean, they used the dining area and and I guess the bar area here and whatnot. Yeah. But the biggest piece that it was Darien. And they're coming down and obviously lots of stuff happened in the movie at that particular scene or those scenes. And so I just took a picture. My daughter's a, a nut when it comes to it. She's only 16, by the way. <laughs> and uh, I sent her the staircase and I said, hey, do you know what this is? And she immediately, oh, my God, is that the staircase of it? Chapter two. Where are you? And she knew I was out on a podcast show. She knew I was coming to the, the you know, the the Grand Lodge building next to, so the Scottish Rite building, she knew where we were coming, but uh, we had no idea what we were yeah. about to embark on and walk in and, and see, you know, what we've seen also in, in different productions. And that's not the only one I, I, I was uh, led to believe either. That was... Uh, yeah, there's several. The there was a lot days. of movies. I mean, yeah. I, I think it's a, a continuous revolving yeah, door for, think, uh, for sets and things. Uh, he mentioned Crimson Peak was filmed yeah. here. 
I got a funny um, feeling the first Renox will be back here for many more lodge meetings, but also to dive further into some of the happenings that uh, take place in this particular building. Again, it's a fantastic building. You're you're a lucky initiate to uh, to be a part of this history, this rich history. Definitely. Um, you know, we talked a bit about where you where you've come from and and how you now. I think you mentioned a Guinness record holder too. Yeah. Tell us. Tell us a bit about that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Four-time Guinness World Record holder, although one of my records was broken, so that's why I say four-time <laughs> instead of, like, current three. Um, first one was the highest suspension straitjacket escape, so I hung upside down from a hot air balloon at 7,200 feet, and I was locked in a straitjacket and chains. Uh, that stunt I discovered the day before during the practice run at 50 feet that I was afraid of heights. So uh, that one, that one, it was a good thing I was wearing Surprise. some dark pants. Yeah. Is this before or after the skydiving uh, stuff? I, so I learned to skydive to overcome the fear that I discovered. Excellent. So yeah, it took me a couple of years, but I figured, you know, this is going to be an effective way, I think, to overcome the fear. You the ground's not really real at 11,000 yeah. feet, and by the time it's rushing up, you're so busy flying your canopy safely, you're not thinking about your fear of heights, you're thinking about where you're gonna land and how and all of that. And you know, the first few jumps, <laughs> terrifying, but I really came to appreciate that. Um, and it's funny, in, in the speech that I've just presented about the stuntman's guide to staying calm, there's another stunt that I do, Houdini's uh, underwater milk can escape. So it's a metal drum that fills with water. You're shackled inside of it. The lid locks from the outside. So it's, you know, tiny little space. It's pitch black, hard to communicate. Your body wants to float. There's nowhere for it to float. And you're typically underwater for about four to five minutes. So it's it's it sucks. And when I was getting ready for the first a theatrical performance of this stunt, I was having these really deep panic attacks in the milk can. And in my studio, I, I wouldn't even have my assistant lock the lid down. It would just, so if, if ever I was having a problem, I could just stand up. And up. even that was, was bad. And um, so I, I called a, a hypnotist friend of mine who, who came over and did a, a relaxation exercise with me. And he's like, in the last year, what was the most kind of peaceful experience that you had? And I started thinking about it and I was like, well, I was driving to the drop zone. To, I wasn't doing any stunts. I wasn't doing body double work. I wasn't filming any videos, but it's just a beautiful day with my skydiving buddies. We were just jumping into the puffy white clouds and thinking about it after he pointed out, he's like, you called me when you were learning to skydive to help with your panic attacks with that. Now you're using that to calm you down in the milk can. Like wow, it's come yeah. so full circle that that's your visualization now. So it's it's really cool to be able to go in to, to a project now thinking like, I am absolutely terrified of this now, but in five years, I might be so comfortable and confident with the skills that I've developed that that's gonna keep me calm. Mm -hmm. So, um, You'll probably find yourself going into the milk can for some peace and quiet. <laughs> yeah, totally. Maybe during the uh, the Corona outbreak. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So um, the two of my records involve skydiving. One of them was for the fastest moving card trick. So I went down to California with the intention of doing a handcuff jump out of the plane. And uh, long story short, couldn't get permission uh, the lawyers wouldn't let me <laughs> do it. Uh, and so they said we couldn't do an escape stunt, but they didn't say anything about doing magic tricks in the sky. So basically I did a card trick while free falling uh, uh. to the earth. And that was a very interesting experience. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I had to do five takes of it, but 
got it uh, got it done the first time. We didn't have a camera attached to the volunteer's helmet, basically to kind of wind up a little bit. Uh, jump out, fan the cards out, volunteer picks a card, puts it back on the deck, grabs a deck of cards from my hand, flies below me, and then lets go. My job is to reach out and grab one of the 52 wow. cards and their and selected that, card. So uh, that was a card trick. The second time we did it, as I was flying to show the camera woman the card that I had caught, I let go of it. So <laughs> I had to <laughs> land and do it again. Do it again. Third time was great. Fourth time, we were jumping out of a different style plane, jumping out of the back instead of the side. So as a relatively new skydiver, that threw me off a little bit. And then the fifth time we were jumping on what's known as the sunset load. So the last load before last plane load before the sun goes down. And unfortunately it was a little too dark to clearly see the card. Oh, so the, the version that I show on my YouTube channel is of the, the third take that we did. And it's, it's good. Not great. I'll probably redo it this, this year. And yeah, well, that, that's fascinating. That you know what's really rough. interesting about what you just described in that story is, the number of takes that it took to get it right. And that's, you talked a little bit about this at the beginning. People don't see that. Mm -hmm, People aren't sure. aware of that. Yeah. You know, that extra effort, the small detail, the planning and the thinking and the execution against that. That is the real, yeah. the real stuff. And that's, that's almost all of my speaking. And last year I produced a storytelling and magic show that was basically chronicling all of the major stunts that I've done. And I never showed a single video of any of the stunts. Almost, I think all of the stories were about the preparation or the aftermath. It wasn't specific to the trick. And that's, I think, where almost all of the takeaways and all of the meat of it is. And when I'm speaking at a high school, of course, they want to see the, the big stunt part of it. But that's not what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And no one ever comes up. They're like, why don't you talk more about the stunt itself? It's like, well, you can see that in the three-minute video. Mm -hmm. It's pretty self-explanatory, but like, the the real solid takeaways are from all that prep and the skydiving ones. The the fourth, my most recent record was the highest blindfolded skydive. So I was jumping out blindfolded and handcuffed to my waist. That took three years of training for a trick wow. that lasted less than five minutes. Mm -hmm. We had to. You know, I had to learn to skydive. I had to test it in the wind tunnels. I had to, you know, push it back for personnel changes. That day of the stunt, I mean, that video gets out. It's been on some TV shows and stuff, but they don't show the fact that, like, that day earlier I did just a blindfolded jump, which all of my skydiving friends are like, I, I've been jumping 20,000 times. I would never do it blindfolded. Before that, I did just a handcuff jump. And on that stunt, the handcuffs after I got out broke off my jumpsuit. Luckily, they landed in the parking lot of the drop zone. Oh, Didn't hit anybody because it would have killed them, but it dented the handcuffs so they don't you know, they work don't properly. And I didn't think to bring a second pair of handcuffs. I just yeah. thought like, I've, I've got this. We'd be fine. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we're bending and prying them back into a <laughs> semi-working condition, but like that doesn't get talked about in you the, know, in the videos. No, so no summary of all those no, challenges. Ex exactly. Yeah. So it's interesting to kind of pull the, pull the audience into that world and into that mindset and kind of peek behind the curtain and expose them to a little bit of that. And that's mm -hmm. where I think the real, the real guts and the meat of the story is because you know, that's where the trials and tribulations are. And everybody loves the the underdog story or to find out like what actually goes into it. Cause it's relatable. We yeah. all have big projects that we're working on that mm -hmm. people don't see the process. It's well, so glorified on television. I so. was just gonna say, you know, 
pretending like I'm a high school student, understanding, you know, you, the speaking side of what you're saying and, and what you're, what you're really portraying to them is having a vision and a dream, setting out a plan, jumping into the fear, making all kinds of mistakes, but through, um, you know, preservation and, and lots of practice, success comes. Yes. You know, and so there's your journey, right? For sure. Yeah. And success is often very different than the way we had envisioned it in the first place. And I think that's, that's one of the new kind of focuses of, of a chunk of the speech now is kind of giving permission for people to change what they're doing. I, I used to talk a lot about the importance of sharing your dreams with people makes you accountable. People will come up to you with connections and and things that you never necessarily knew were out there. And I think that what I was lacking by exposing people to that theory is just the idea that inevitably your plan's gonna change and that's okay. When you start to share with people what you're planning on doing, and you start to learn a little bit more about it, you might think like, oh, people are gonna think I'm a cop out if I do it this way instead of what I had originally proposed. And mm -hmm. I, I think it's just so important, especially with younger younger people to really let them change their mind. Let them, let them stop on a dream. If you invest so much of yourself and your life savings into something and it's not coming out, like, if you gave it a fair Make shake a and it, yeah, 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 it's fine. So I always am a believer of that. You know what I mean? I, number one, I was always told you, you, you probably going to go through three major careers in your whole adult lifehood of yeah. work. All right. It's more like 25. I think now. I've gone through like <laughs> nine of them already. Yeah. So just keep going. And that's one thing I encourage my kids at least is, you know what? You're allowed to have a dream today that could change tomorrow. Just reach for the stars. Yeah. And totally. don't let, and don't let me and don't let mom or anybody yeah. else tell you you can't. Because those who are, are, are told they can't don't get to enjoy their life kind of for full, sure. right? So just go at it. And so it's, it's awesome that uh, you do this for them and, and have that side. It's not, again, you're just a, a, a trickster or a magician or anything. You actually have an amazing message. message. Yeah. Yeah. And Thank can you. portray it through that method, which I'm sure just has them sitting at the uh, edge of their seats, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I think that there's the stunts really do kind of pull people in magic is is at a nice pot nice point right now where it's everywhere you've got pen and tellers fool us you've got magicians yep. you know in the top 3 and america's got talent almost every year you've got there are a lot of a lot of david blaine his his recent specials are really interesting and you know really captivating for people i think it's it's at a nice spot and it's also kind of the pendulum is swinging into this it's an, an area of magic that I love to explore of kind of a, combining storytelling with the magic. And it, it can be a little frustrating. I've been asked to do AGT a number of times. And one of my problems with that is that you start to do your act. And in the first five seconds, if they're not totally into it, there's a giant yeah. buzzing Bam. X right above and your head. And you uh, my, my high school presentation, my straitjacket escapes 25 minutes long. And at the end of the speech, kids are coming up and still asking questions about it. Yeah. There is, people think, oh, these high school kids with Facebook and their Snapchat and TikTok, they don't have the attention span. It's like, they absolutely do. You yeah. just have to like do it in a compelling you way. You have to and, find a method to engage them. Absolutely. absolutely. And the, you know, there's storytelling is the most ancient form of, of communication since People have been sitting around campfires. That's how knowledge has been passed on from generation to generation. I think that there, that will always be a really important part of what makes us human. 
our ability to communicate and you know share these experiences and empathy allows us to to feel what other people were when they were scared because we all know what it was like to be scared at one point or another and so yeah that that is kind of one beef that i have with with some of those shows and i've neglected to really go after that because of that that element of it and i think like you know, for me to do my average audience is let's say a thousand people. Well, to reach a million people mm. total, that's a show every day for three and a half years. Yeah. You do America's Got Talent and overnight you're it's reaching nine yeah. million people. So yeah, fifteen minutes of fame. Totally. Right? And it's a great way to like put that on your poster, you're gonna sell forty percent more tickets. But at what cost? I don't want them going into my shows thinking they're gonna get these like trick, 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 trick and Things yeah. taken out of context where it's just not my style as much. So, Well, that's good for you. I mean, you're, you're true to yourself in that approach, right? It's, it's one thing to jump after the, the golden prize, but I certainly get a sense even just from spending a, some little bit of time with you that that is just not how you operate. Right. I think, yeah, I, I once read a, a quote from, from Ricky Gervais talking about how, how important it is to to go after what you believe in because if you change and concede on a lot of really fundamentally important points to you and the project flops you've got nothing whereas if the project flops and you've really gone after and you know put forth what you believe in at least you can say to yourself well i know that i might have been wrong about that or that wasn't the right approach and but at least i tried it yeah. and i i definitely i'm all for failure all of my greatest accomplishments have come out of huge amounts of failure and so i'm not afraid of it i right. embrace it in fact oftentimes if i start going down a path and i'm not failing enough i'm not doing it right and I know that so yeah. I'll change it like we were talking about before I'll yeah. change the the trajectory so that I start to fail a little bit more so that I can you know start to really challenge myself and push myself and, and take that in so yeah very well said you know it's changing gears a little bit here Scott we uh, again back to the Barton Lodge tonight which is uh, going to become your mother lodge um, how do you feel about this uh, this journey you're about to embark on I'm very excited. It's it's such an interesting interesting place to be because you you don't know about Freemasonry until you join Freemasonry. So it's kind of going in blind a little bit. It's like hearing about a wonderful show that no one everyone's agreed not to spoil for you. <laughs> and they're like you've just got to trust me. You've just got to see this show. Trust and me. It's yeah. What have what have they told you so far, if anything, about the actual initiation? About the initiation, about craft lodge, about masonry. Um, those are I could talk at length, especially after the conversations <laughs> I've had with Steve about that. Um, in terms of the specifics to the initiation, one of my sponsors was he called me yesterday or two days ago to be very very clear. He said, Scott, I I just want to make sure that you realize that. If people were, you know, razzing you about embarrassing things that they'll make you do, he's like, it's none of that. This is all about uplifting you and yeah. making sure that you know that you have a community of brothers who can be there for you and everyone is just there for you tonight and it's mm -hmm. to help you out. And so it's not that I had any preconceived notions about, you know, stripping you down naked and revealing all your deepest darkest secrets on a table while everyone's in robes with tiki torches like you know <laughs> did you bring the tiki torches oh, okay. <laughs> right in the car so yeah it, but like i i i don't know i i'm 
you know, you hear about the handshake. I'm wondering if I'm going to learn like the first level of the handshake. I don't even know that. I know, I just know that all of the Masons that I've met and tried to really communicate with about Freemasonry have been some of the most stand up, most community oriented people that I am surrounded by. And their desire to do a lot of anonymous charity work as well is really appealing to me. And just, you know, the patience and the kindness that that Steve has shown to me as an outsider really made me think, like, if this is what masonry is about, this is what I want. I want to be able to learn about it. And, you know, magic has been based very much on uh, apprenticeship and and having a mentor. And I've, you know, been told coming to lunch here at the Barton Lodge and talking with Steve about how that bond that you form with your mentor to you know, memorize, help you memorize stuff more important, uh, more effectively by learning about the history of it. So it's not just memorizing a paragraph, it's understanding what each of these words means. That is just so appealing to me. And just, again, all of these people that I really look up to, I think to myself, again, if this is the embodiment of what it means to be a Mason, sign me up, sign me up. Exactly. And that's why, you know, I eventually asked Steve, like, how do I get signed up? And he's like, that's the right question. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It's been very interesting with Scott because, correct me if I'm wrong, he's very interested in Freemasonry and wants you know, to know about it. But when I, when I give him specific things to look into, you know, I, I give him a book called uh, The Introduction to Freemasonry or um, you know, I said, hey, listen to these podcast episodes. He says, well, I don't know. I don't want to spoil anything for the initiation. <laughs> I, you know, I want to I want to experience it. So I, I think that's really cool, too, is, you know, he's, he's very interested in it, but he doesn't want to spoil anything. I said, no, no, no this book isn't going to spoil anything. You're, you're, you're going to learn the uh, the basics of Freemasonry. Our podcast doesn't give away anything. No. But uh, it's it's really, you know, cool to see that he's very into it and, and is excited and doesn't want to ruin anything. He doesn't want to spoil anything for himself. You know, you can easily go online and look up secrets oh, but uh, i know there's, i know scott has stayed away from that just so it's a, an exciting experience for him tonight so yeah i mean there's tons of information we've talked about this on the show previously as well you can get information on freemasonry anywhere <clears throat> the challenge with it is you don't get to experience it yeah it's not sure. the same so not the same context is never there and the only way you can get the context is by being in freemasonry and that looks different for everybody yeah. You know, Gino's motivation, completely different than mine, completely different than Steve's. And that's okay. Right. You know, that that is just fine because we're all walking our own path together. Yeah. Well, and it's also tough because I, as an outsider, don't know what's real information and what's somebody, you know, posting something to kind of lead <laughs> people astray a little bit. I don't know what's what's real, what's what's not. So for me to look up like, you know, what is involved in the initiation ceremony. It's like somebody saying, well, what's Scott's show like? Yeah. It's like, well, it's going to be different for everybody. Some people are going to be talking about the straitjacket escape while other people, you know, they might've been less engaged with that part and more engaged when I'm doing a trick with someone else's money or something. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. everybody's got these different things. It's like, again, the best way is to just go in and experience it and, Try to not have any of it spoiled. And that's the thing, you know, it's a difficult thing to explain masonry, which we've all talked about on the show before. But you ask Gino, you ask Bert, you ask me, you're going to get three different answers of yeah. what masonry is. And that's the, the very unique thing about masonry. Yeah. The advice I can give you tonight, 
just be a sponge and enjoy the whole evening. I mean, like your sponsor said, these guys here tonight, these future brothers of yours are all here for you. And, uh, and you are in wonderful hands. Um, we can't wait to go up into the lodge and see the Barton Lodge uh, in action. Um, you've got uh, some pretty amazing fellas who are pretty high up in the craft that are coming just for you again tonight. Uh, they're having a special night because of the I don't know if he was told that yet. Ah, well, who that's why I just, didn't. There may name be a special names, guest coming for you, but uh, it's it's going to be <laughs> a massive <laughs> Very Masonic, uh, from the grave. Secretive kind of uh, info there. And again, you're you're a lucky guy to be a part of of the history of this building, these lodges, um, and and just masonry in general. And and I again, we've only had what half an hour, forty minutes of time with you. Uh, I can tell that all the attributes that you have inside are exactly what masons are and should be. And uh, I wish you well on your journey of uh, being you. a great man into a better man. So, yeah. well, hopefully we can, you know, build this relationship forward, and Absolutely. you know, come yeah. check out your lodges. Yeah. And well, I know. think I think Steve had a wonderful idea when we finally found uh, an initiate that would be kind of a Mister. And then a brother, I think we were going to probably have you We'd back like as a part two. I would love that. And just kind yeah. of see how, you know, things looked from the other side. And, sure. And what you thought that night again. I mean, we're getting some perspective of the before, but, you know, how after it felt and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so we'll definitely, yeah. yeah, follow up. And uh, you're obviously, again, as once, uh, once you become a brother, you're welcome anywhere to all lodges uh, across the world, which is an awesome, cool thing to be a part of. Totally. And we'd be honored to have you come and visit uh, out there as well. And and in the historic uh, Uxbridge. Beautiful, historic well. Uxbridge, Ontario. <laughs> Mayor of Uxbridge. Well, and I'm excited to learn more about how, like, what it was for you guys to, to yeah. join up and, you know, mm -hmm. talk about your family connections and your, you know, desires and what fascinates you because again there's so many elements of it there's the history there's the brotherhood there's the community element there's yeah so many and everybody's got a different story every single person we bring on this podcast oh, yeah. we ask the first question how'd you get involved how'd in you get involved you know? and what and was every your take nobody's had the same same answer yeah. everyone right. comes into it you know on their own accord and uh, you know everyone has great stories I, I think the most interesting part from all those conversations steve is the fact that everybody can't quite put their finger on it you know, there's just something, 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 something. Yeah. And that would be maybe the most common part. And you're not, you're not supposed to know. You're supposed to figure it out. Yeah. You know, that's the exciting part. So. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> um, you know, you're a really unique individual to sit down and chat with. Uh, your business, maybe if, if uh, our listeners wanted to reach out to you and, and talk to you about your, um, the work that you do, uh, or even speaker, watch the amazing videos of the, all the, the escapes. Videos. How, how would they go about uh, getting in contact with you? Uh, my website is scotthamill.com. Hamill can be tricky to spell. So if you type in scotthamburger.com, it will just send you right to my website. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's an easy one to remember. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be launching the my version of the relaxation podcast called A Stuntman's Guide to Staying Calm, which is essentially just, uh, you know, relaxation exercises, guided meditation style stuff. So if anybody's feeling particularly stressed and they want to track that down, uh, you're welcome to it. And uh, Wonderful. Yeah, that's Wonderful. probably I mean, the best we'd, way. We'd love to share it on, our, oh, on yeah. ours as well, uh, with your permission. Of Check course. Mark, I just started some doing some meditation, so we'll, we'll be talking a little yeah, bit more yeah, too. Really. <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Well, thanks is, for yeah, being on the show. Exciting. Absolutely. Thanks for Enjoy taking Enjoy your evening. Have a wonderful time, and uh, we'll be watching. Awesome.
Cheers. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The First Three Knocks. Happy to meet, sorry to part, happy to meet again.